Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. Oh my God, lads. What are the chances of that happening at the end of that game? Like, I mean, holy shit. Like, Cork... I'm shouting at the television saying to Cork, you're wasting your own minute of added time. There was one added minute on top of the 10 minutes and they're playing it over and back and over and back. And I'm saying, if you don't get a shot away soon here, this is going to be humiliating that you actually didn't even try. Then Sean Meehan took responsibility, drove at Kerry. Um, I think he gave it to, to White to White, and he both Meehan and White could have taken on a shot. Goes back to her, uh, to Connolly, who we know has no problem shooting whatsoever, and he was great when he came on. And uh, then goes for a pint, terrible effort at a pint, hung in the air for I don't know how long. And you have Mark Keane, only back from Aussie Rules for six weeks ago, had to self isolate for two weeks, came on, never got a bloody kick of the ball the whole time he was on, and he catches the ball, marking Tommy Walsh an ex-AFL player again, and I don't know, Keen. Like, I mean, how do you write a script for these kind of things? Ah, uh, yeah, look, it was an unbelievable finish. There was a lot of sort of jumping up off the couch, having been almost bored to tears for yeah. parts of the game. Um, but we'd wait, we'd, we'd, uh, we'd sit through an hour of stuff or longer, 90 minutes, just to get to get to that sort of excitement. But uh, yeah, I suppose uh, you were talking about all your different... Um, Different lexicon of words. Well, that was a real buzzer beater there from Cork <laughs> to uh, to be carry in the end. So, yeah, look, fair play to them. They they stuck to the task. They battled fierce hard, and uh, yeah, it did look like they were basically going to just run out the clock on themselves. But fair play to them. They somehow manufactured it, um, and it just goes to show that. Uh, at the end of a game, lamping an old ball in onto the edge of the square can cause a bit of carnage. Well, I'll tell you already. one thing, and I'm going to get into this in part two. I remember Tom Sullivan in the first half lamped the ball in. It wasn't anything 
um, controlled too much. It went over uh, David Clifford's head, bounced to Tony Brosnan, threw it back to Clifford, and Clifford could have rattled the net. He hit the hit the post. We just, listen. I'll get into that for part two because I'm going to complain a little bit uh, too much about that. Tommy Walsh uh, defending Conan, uh, not too sure. Shane Ryan is not to blame. Um, because if he had come out and it was tapped into an empty net, we'd be lynching Shane Ryan. Maybe he could have come out to smother the shot a bit quicker if you were to be some bit critical. Yeah, he, de- he definitely could have come out quicker in that instance. The clues on his angle, he, he was very limp in the hand, actually, the way he just tried to save. I know he was very close and it all happened fast. Like, obviously, he deserves a lot of credit for how quickly Keane yeah. got the shot away, but. Like if you're right, if he comes out, it's not only are we saying what are you coming out for because it's it's actually at the edge of his square. Like you know, so it's six it's six meters away, a bit further because it's a it's a bit of an angle. But it's also yeah, Tommy Walsh. Yeah. So if he comes out, we're like, what are you doing? Tommy Walsh is there. Like leave it to Tommy. And uh, it was just it was it was it was pathetic enough from Walsh. Yeah, to be it was poor. It's like he lost flight of the ball in the in the floodlights or something. Um, Keen because they were wrestling. They could look both looking up. Keane kept his eye on the ball. It's like Tommy Walsh lost it. Ah, yeah. Well, like the ball was hanging up there for yeah. an awful long time. Um, obviously, the, the the wind being the way it was as well, and then the lights. Look, a very, very difficult ball to judge. And in fairness to Keane, he, he managed to somehow manoeuvre his body into the position where he actually caught it. He caught it almost at his stomach or his chest. Like, it wasn't even like he had to get up off the ground to get it. So, I mean, look, fair play to him. Judged it well in the air or got lucky. Doesn't really matter. Showed good physical strength to uh, to nudge Tommy Walsh out of the way, um, or to ease him out of the way, we'll say. And he he did really really well to get the ball dropped to his boot very very quickly. I mean, we'd all be here bemoaning the fact if he was uh, if he if he didn't go for it and was one of these fist the ball over the bar merchants. Um, so fair play to him for having the skill level to basically get the ball dropped to his foot very very quickly and put it into the net. And the glory is his if he fisted it over the bar like so many of these. Uh, players we see then we wouldn't be lauding it in such no, a way No, probably story. wouldn't. Dermot O'Connor deserves a shout out. We'll talk about that goal in part two. He didn't fist it over the bar as well which was great to see uh, two players. Like I mean, Ronan McCarthy said afterwards we'd no hesitation in bringing him in. He got permission. I think it's Collingwood he's with um, Mark Keane. And like I said, I thought Mark Keane was in danger of being brought back off the field. Like he hadn't got a look in. He got one ball from Connolly and he pushed his marker in the back and, you know, put the hand up for a mark. So, like, it was just incredible how he was the one that got the goal. And you, I would almost be critical of Ronan McCarthy for bringing on a fella ahead of lads that were playing all year, Conan, that has only back from Aussie rules and he's only training four weeks with the squad. Do you know what I mean? Without this, this goal changes an awful lot of the analysis around the, around the game. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think that goal justifies it as well because like that's that's what those lads can do. I know again it's a it's a freak goal, but if if for example he sits on the bench the whole time, we're probably wondering, geez, why did he not bring in the professional athlete? And you know, like Sean Powder was talking afterwards about the the impact he has around the place as well. So obviously, like you know, the players maybe look up to him too. And yeah, like I think I think if he doesn't come on, it's it's bad. But also as well, considering the season that it is, like you're saying, he's only back four weeks. Like how long are they all back? They're only back since well, September, true, yeah. so they haven't been back that much longer. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. That's definitely a fair point. Like I mean, we we know about the history from the from the from the commentary. Like Kerry followed up the 1982 All Ireland loss, Seamus Darby last minute goal with a last minute loss against Cork in the Munster final in 1983, and now they followed up. Losing an All Ireland final in 2019 after a replay, one that completely should have won with 
a last minute goal against Cork in the Munster semi final. Like, I mean, you just can't write a script on this stuff and the heartbreak of it, Keen. Like, I mean, Cork had run down the one minute that Kerry could have potentially used to get up and get an equaliser. No kick out, no back door, the ultimate heartbreak. Yeah, and in fairness, you'd have to say fair play to Cork for showing the nerve to, to run it down. I don't, I don't, know, yeah, whether that I don't was know if that was designed. Accident, accident <laughs> or design, yeah. But look, it, it worked out for them in the end. And look, for one, I'm just delighted that this uh, Dublin Kerry era has now come <laughs> to the end and we're back to the Mead Cork era. So, I mean, like, we'll see Mead win the Leinster now and we'll have uh, Mead Cork all Ireland well, final. I, I, I have obviously. to say, poor Colin O'Rourke was trending on Twitter yesterday and I clicked on it to uh, to see what it was all about. And the Cork fans have still haven't forgiven Colin O'Rourke for, for some of those bloodbath games back in the, the late 80s. They reckon O'Rourke wasn't given anywhere near enough credit. Um, you know, anti-Cork bias. Come here, we have to talk about Sean Potter, the, the equalising point in normal time. Like, Colin, what did you make of this? Like, Kevin White, like, what was he thinking? This is, this is, this is, how many players did Kerry have back? He's just been blocked down. You know, when you're running, you take a shot, you block down. The lactic acid is burning in, in Powder's legs. Like, he, he's surrounded <laughs> yeah. by four men. He doesn't want this ball back. He knows he's screwed. Like, I mean, there was too many men around him. And Gavin White, who is way too fond of fouling to begin with, um, especially in one-on-one situations if someone running it, stupidly puts his hand in over his shoulder. Now, this was barely even a foul, but Powder did the right thing, felt the contact, threw his threw his hand around, threw his body around and won his free. The stupidity of Gavin White here. You, like, you're, you're so right. because like, I, I don't think there's a worse feeling on a football pitch than when you get blocked down. And you know it's 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 terrible. Like it should never happen. But you know, and when it does happen, your mind starts scrambling. Like you're talking about the lactic acid. That's right. But also, you no, know, he is just freaking out, thinking, "Oh my god, I can't believe I got it back. I need to get rid of this before I balls it up again." So just just let him do it. He's he's actually turned around and gone back into the bodies. That's how how far away his head's gone now. Like just just let him give the ball away. It'll take too long. He'll fall yeah. to the ground. And as you say, it was a it was a mercy killing almost from Gavin White. Just. I, I, look, you can't really condone powder going down so easily, but like he felt the hand yeah. on the neck, so it's like how like that that was so stupid. There was no point to it. It wasn't even a tackle from Gavin White. He just put his hand on his neck for yeah. no reason. And well, that's it. like I mean, I, I listen. He he accentuated the contact rather than dive because we have to we have yeah. to say, Keen, like diving. I would be completely against, you know, with no contact. There was contact in over his shoulder. He had no other option. The last sec, the last play of the game, he threw himself to the ground. I would be less critical of Powder and more critical of the Gavin White. Ah, oh, yeah. Look, it's just a lack of discipline. Um, it's it's just unnecessary uh, when a player is surrounded to to have something a little bit loose. Go back to it again. You're given the the referee a decision yeah. to make. It's the last play of the game. Referees. You know, throughout the history of Gaelic games, in the in the latter stages of a game, you don't have to do an awful lot to get an equalising free. You probably have to do a hell of a lot to get a free that might win you the game. But in general, you don't need to do a lot to win to win those kind of frees if it's a chance to level up the match. And he was Powder was completely surrounded. He was going absolutely nowhere. The, the the sensible thing for the Kerry boys there was let you know to let Powder pick the ball up and just basically yeah. surround him. Um, he gets done for overcarrying, or even give him give him a step or two, um, and then you know swallow him up. He had nowhere to go. There was no no way out. Even if he did manage to scramble the ball loose, if it went forward, Kerry had ample numbers there. If it went back out the field, Kerry were still set up again. But in those situations, you always try to think as a def- as a defensive unit. Don't give them the simple 
don't give them the free to level the game. At least make them pick point under pressure, particularly given the conditions and how hard scores were to come by. I mean, that was the percentage play was to basically just be ultra disciplined. Yeah, there. no, it definitely was. And then you see the Hugh Burke uh, incident for Limerick against Tipperary where he should have got a penalty. He was clearly fouled. He was too yeah. honest, Conan. And like, I mean, I'd be very critical of the referee here. That was a, a stonewall penalty. And if you don't give those penalties for players trying to be too honest, well, then they'll start diving. And that's how diving came into soccer because they're like, oh, look, there was contact there. He, he, he you know, if you... You often see even somebody like Messi going, "Geez, if you'd gone down there, mate, you'd had your penalty." You'd had your penalty. And like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, like Powder definitely accentuated the contact a bit too much. Hugh Burke got a good bit of contact and actually didn't. And Powder gets the free, and Hugh Burke gets nothing. <laughs> but like that—that's that's it. That that Burke foul wasn't given as a foul, but that—that's perfect justification for what yeah. Powder did because. Like it's like he's shooting and his whole body is turned ninety degrees as he's shooting. It's a it's a clear foul. It's weak referee and the referee's just decided. Well, he's got a shot off. I don't need to give it anymore. And I felt bad on him because he, like as you say, he's too honest. He's he's still standing up and he just turns around and looks at the ref to see if anything's coming and, and the ref isn't interested. And and that's it. Like the next time he'll probably be told go go down there and he'll definitely go down there the next time. And sure. Who are we then to, to criticise him if he does, if the referees aren't going to yeah. get yeah. well, right? Just on that, I suppose the unwritten rule in the GEA is that you're fi- if you're 5'10 or under, you get those frees. And if you're 5'10 or if you're 5'11 <laughs> plus, you don't get them. Basically, if you're, if, you're, if you're small and weak, you get all these frees. If you're big and strong, right. you don't. Yeah, yeah you're, probably, you're probably onto something there. David, Kerry got two black cards. David Moran got a black card. I don't think he can have too many complaints about it. It was a lazy black card. It, it reminded me an awful lot of the Peter Hart black card on Ryan McHugh a couple of years ago up in, in um, Cavan in that game. He went to tackle him, but also went in with the foot too much and, and pretty much tripped him up, even though Kerry did fine with 14 men. And David Moran had a few crazy attempts for points um, towards the end, which you'd be wondering what the hell he was doing. Uh, Buckley, the wing forward, got sewn up by Maguire for his black. But again, I wouldn't use the black cards, uh, Keen, you know, as any huge talking points in the game because I don't, it's not like Cork took advantage of them. No, well, the way Kerry were set up anyway, no. it didn't make much of a difference. It just meant that they had one man less in that middle sector of the field, but they still had a huge amount of um, bodies behind the ball. So, I mean, look, it didn't really change the context of the game. And I think that both of them, you know, both of them were black cards. I mean, to me, they're not really, you know, overly controver- overly controversial decisions. And Maguire uh, went yeah, down Buckley, very easily. He did, but what's Buckley? You know, Buckley goes late. It was the second late tackle in that move from him. So he he he, he was slightly late on the wing back. And then after Maguire lays the ball off, he goes into him. He, it's unnecessary. You, you, again, you put yourself in that position, you're liable to get a black card. That's just the way it is. If you don't push him, if you don't get involved and you and you play the ball, you don't get the back card. It's as yeah, simple as yeah, that. Yeah, no, you know, you're probably right. Brian O'Beogley, goal chance, lads. We'll 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 finish on this uh, talking point because we're going to talk a good bit um, about uh, that match in in part two. He actually hit this too well, and I'll tell you why he hit too well. If you saw the if you saw the highlights, Conan of the Limerick Tipperary game again, Killian Fahey scored a goal where he didn't hit it too well. It actually sliced off his boot and coming from <laughs> went ahead and diving off to the left. And it actually sliced off his boot. Brian O'Beogley, who shouldn't have been playing wing forward for the first place, we'll get to that again, um, like I said, in part two. But he actually hit that flush too nicely, 
And obviously telegraphed where it went because when you're running at that angle, usually lads go that side and it was too easy for the goalkeeper. Yeah, Brian O'Buglee needed to slice that off his boot. I think Keane might have done that against Loud the year he got the four goals against him. I'll go to you first, Colin, uh, and then Keane can, can uh, say he meant it. <laughs> well, I think he hit it too well for, for the keeper. Like, you know, I'd say Keane slicing it is probably deliberate. Like, he, he will come in here now and say it was. But, like... I don't think you can you can hit the ball that height for the keeper that not far enough over to the side and say it's hit too well. It was it was weak. It actually reminded me of how how you and I talk about going through on goal chances and we just have these tame efforts like you know where we're not like Steve McDonald's always saying just riff it and Keane saying pick a point and and blast it at that point. I just thought it was a. Oh, it was lacking imagination. It was it was perfect for the keeper. I, I can imagine. I've seen that in training where I'm coming through one on one and the keeper's almost annoyed that it's wasted his time having to go and just you know save this this limp shot from me like you know he wants a he wants a better one to, to go after i i can't i can't say he hit that too well i think if he hit it too well it goes into the, a, the ru- top a routine save i'm taking a mugsy's goal as well the famous goal on cluxton he's completely sliced that off his boot as well and sent cluxton the wrong way he... but deliberately though he's so? done that i think ah, he just yeah, tried to lash it <laughs> no, I I I'd agree with uh, I'd agree with Woolley on that one. Yeah, look, you do you score. I've scored a lot of goals myself where you're just you're coming and you're you're trying to hit the ball pretty much across the keeper, but because you're running the opposite direction, the ball naturally just comes off your comes off sort of the outside of your boot in a sliced way. So you know you can score. I've scored goals where you're you're trying to hit it across the keeper to the far side, and it slices off your boot and roofs into the the near <laughs> corner. Um, so I mean, like if you hit the target, I mean you can't be blamed if you score a goal. Um, and look, to be fair, Woolley, you're right. Like, I mean, against Loud, I did, I did slice one of them in, but the other three were scoring. <laughs> you know, <laughs> now I did have. Now you didn't need to say that because I did mention the four goals. Like, I will never, I will not let that slide. I know you wouldn't let me off by doing it. Um, uh, no, Dublin, not. Dublin marched on on Saturday night. Yeah, four goals is sensational. You have to say, like, I mean, when I think of Loud now, Loud were decent enough um, at that time. Dublin marched on on Saturday night. Uh, lads, Desi Farrell said after the game, he said this team needs to evolve and continue to grow to create that separation between ourselves and whoever is coming. The pack are chasing and they're hungry. We need to be on our toes. I suppose, um, Keen, did we see anything evolving from Dublin? Did we see anything new? I have to admit, I didn't see too much new. I just saw that efficient um, machine that is Dublin and nothing, no huge rabbit out of a hat, even though I have to admit I had ne- never heard of Tom Lehiff before in my life. No, well, I think maybe what Desi is talking about there is the evolution of the playing members of the team. I don't think that the the it's blueprint cool. or the format of how Dublin are playing is going to change. I think it's just going to be introducing players year on year maybe players that had you know been part of the squad the year before start stepping up to to the required level to ship some of the guys out of the team and and yeah and bringing in new players like Dublin have been able to evolve their team like Sean Bugler is a brilliant player Paddy Small as well like those two boys didn't really feature much at all last year certainly made no impact in the championship um, despite Bugler looking good when he did play but he wasn't involved in the big game so I mean like Bugler and Paddy Small are probably now in the team or certainly um, they're performing well enough to hold their position unless some of the more established names, unless Paul Mannion or someone comes back in for Paddy Small. Um, so I think that's more what he's talking about. And in fairness, like it was a it was a nice game. If you're if you're a new player coming into the Dublin team, I mean these sort of the Leinster Championship 
over the last number of years have has been a nice little testing ground for guys. I mean, Aaron Byrne as well, he's done well for them when he's played in the league. He's a decent man to come in off the bench and, and again, does his stuff reasonably well when he came on, although he had a bit of a wild effort the other day. But I think that's really what he's talking about. I don't think there's going to be much of a, a tactical shift from them other than the new players coming in would be slightly different from the players they had before and that would lead to maybe slightly different patterns of play at times but they kind of Dublin know what they're all about they're very well established they have, still have so many key experienced players and the new players coming in it's just about them basically bringing themselves up to the required level and it is a good point that Desi Farrell makes because teams do have to evolve the life cycle of every team is only you know it's finite so they need to continue to bring players through and continue to slightly change what they're doing just to, just even to keep the hunger in the group because I'm sure there's a lot of guys there um, and sometimes the best thing to do is not the it, it's it's your place in the team that's the best thing to keep you motivated not actually the prospect of the trophy at the end of the year it, it's you've won in All-Ireland and all of a sudden there's a lad trying to take your place and that's a bit of a push to the the ego and everything like that and sometimes that can be the best thing because complacency sets in when guys are sure of their place in the team no internal competition for your place and that's where the level of the team drops so um i think dublin are you know they look like they're in very very good shape in it as we yeah kieran kilkenny spent a bit of time in the full forward line at the other night he scored five from play he was outstanding and like i mean i know desi favored playing him uh, in the full in the full forward line at, at underage level so it'd be interesting to see that maybe him and Khan swapping in and out um, might be an extra kind of you know layer to it but like I mean Dublin the idea of that you'll drop off Dublin like I mean you look at this Conan and they're just so comfortable they're so comfortable against teams that drop off them because they have painstakingly practiced this and practiced this and practiced it and yeah. their running game is beyond compare you talk about other games you know uh, p- teams that are good at a running game like Tyrone and Dublin would Dublin just swat teams uh, aside and if you drop players back and you think that you're making the pitch smaller, Dublin will move all their backs up. They'll attack with everybody. There are four defenders, Johnny Cooper, James McCarthy, uh, McDade and Merchant, all scored. And you won't have any zonal players if you think you do. All you're going to do is have man-on-man because Dublin will insist on it's going to be man-on-man. It's just the pitch is a bit smaller. But you want to put, you know, it's like, yeah, and I suppose Westmead will make the argument and say, well, at least there's less space there. No, I would say you're wrong there. Because Dublin will play most of the football through the hands and you'll never get the ball off them. And I've made this point loads of times. When Kerry and Mayo play Dublin and give them the kick pass, their defenders maybe call me old-fashioned, will go out, get a fist on it, and you have a much easier turnover than you ever have. When Dublin see you dropping off them, you're not getting the ball back. And, and what happens when Kerry and Mayo turn them over? They, they have options yeah. up top. Like, what's what's West Meath's tactic there when they have everybody back? Like, if they turn it over, they have to beat Dublin now in a foot yeah. race down the pitch. And as you say, that that's not going to happen. And look, nobody nobody's saying that West Meath should go out and, and take Dublin on man for man. But but is there a strategy of their own that yeah. they can use? Like, can they set any traps? Even like like that, given the kick pass that you're talking about, there's a very simple trap. Almost you're encouraging somebody to kick the ball, therefore reducing the percentages of them keeping the ball. And like, is there, is there a go-to option as well? Like, are, are they going to do anything to panic Dublin or, or put them on the back foot? Like we, we know that that damage limitation doesn't work against Dublin. Like we have over five years of evidence now to, to back this up. They have all the answers to all those questions. So are you going to start asking them anything different? Like, and I go back to the, the leash Leinster final against Dublin before I, I know they eventually petered out, but 
But the Kingston's asked him a different yeah. question. Remember Sean Quigley against Fermanagh? It asked him a different question. Fermanagh got applauded off by their own support. They, they lost anyway, but at least they, they gave it a go. Like the, This way we all knew like the Dublin were going to walk this game without having to come out of second gear. And, and yeah. that's what happened. Much better teams than Westmead at that system have tried and have been swatted aside. Tyrone and Monaghan are the yeah. two obvious ones that, that spring to mind. Swatted aside, much better than Westmead. So how did Jack Cooney think that a much lesser team playing a similar system would do anything against Dublin? They wouldn't. And you're right. If you were dropping all those players back and if you, lo and behold, you managed to turn one over, which you probably won't against uh, Dublin, and what will actually happen yeah. is you'll be penned in for your own kick-out because Dublin will have moved everybody forward, even if they kick a wide or kick a score, everybody's up the field because you've brought, you've sucked them up there and now you've now you're just stuck in your own half for a whole half. It is dumb. It is absolutely dumb. And honestly, Jack Cooney has answers questions to answer his own county board. What way in a knockout championship is that to go out? Now when I take your point, Westmead could never beat Dublin, but Ray Canellan, John Heslin, Kieran Martin, these are good players. Play them up close to goal and give Dublin some sort of question. Yeah, you might concede a goal. Like Jack Cooney was applauding himself after the game, saying, we showed great character, I have to say. Now, this is a game that was over after five minutes. We showed great character, I have to say. We never really gave Dublin a clear goal-scoring opportunity. We never let them open up and finish us off completely, even though there was a quite a margin in the end. I don't know, Keane, celebrating not conceding a goal. I would take the leash performance in the Leicester final, conceding two goals would at least go out and say, Jesus, will that Kingston, at least have the nation looking at the match saying, which is that Kingston looks a right good player. You know, he'd cause anyone problems. You know, allow your own players look like the players they are and not have John Heslin fluting around the midfield. And Kieran Martin didn't even start inside, which is just unforgivable. Like, no James Dolan bombing forward. Like, the Westmead County Board want to ask, we have some good players, Jack, and we're on national television in a knockout game. Can we please see our own players express themselves? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a very difficult conundrum um, for any management team. Again, having not seen, there's no, like, we've no form lines going into this, so it's very, it's, it's unknown to me how Westmead have been playing, you know, under Jack Cooney's stewardship, um, you know, either at the start of the year or in the or in the few matches before this. But based on some of the score lines, I'd imagine they've been playing predominantly somewhat similar of a pattern. Oh yeah, no, they, he's, a, he's a very defensive manager, Jack Cooney. He, he, he worked with uh, Rory Gallagher up in Donegal um, for for a year. I'm pretty sure a year. And yeah. that's his philosophy. And Pascal Keelahan, who is who, who I don't believe has that philosophy, I suppose he's the coach and he has to work within the parameters potentially Jack Cooney uh, gave him. But I don't know. Like, I mean, if Jack Cooney, Ken, do you think he has questions to answer to his county board? I don't know is the honest answer. I mean, like, I mean, they're they're beaten by Dublin in the championship, and they did reasonably well in the in the league. So probably not. I think that they will be able to point to a number of things of of progression. I am sure and development of players. Um, I think it's probably slightly unfair to to just to, to you know to say it based on the Dublin game. I think what you have to look at is that Westmead obviously out of possession. Dublin hold on to the ball really well. So. Westmead can't, no matter what position you play for Westmead, when Dublin have the ball, you have to try and make some you know, effort to contribute towards the towards the defence, particularly if your man is going to go tearing off up the field. You can't just let him off. So that, that ends up with Westmead getting a lot of men behind the ball just automatically, whether they wanted to do it or not. 
even if Westmead turned the ball over, which is very, very difficult against Dublin, it's it's then very, very challenging for them to get to get back yeah. up the field because they have players all drifted back into a defensive position. So uh, the option to kick is not on. And then you compound that by the fact that every almost every single Westmead player is marking a marking a Dublin opponent who's equally as big and strong as them, if not if not stronger, probably quicker and probably fitter because they've been playing at a higher level, you know, in Division 1 across the season and have multiple years of it built up. So Westmead, when they get the ball, I mean, it, it ends up being very lateral. And also because Dublin engage you high up the field, if Dublin ran off back to their own defence, yeah, Westmead had saunter yeah. up the field. But Dublin kind of put you under pressure in every zone. They don't dive in. They don't kind of take themselves out of the game. They keep teams under pressure. So the Westmead end up going very lateral. And the forward options for a kick pass are not really there. So Westmead probably only have a few players who could maybe take the ball and beat their Dublin opponent in a one-on-one and, and break the line and get forward. And then they break one line and then there's a second Dublin player coming in to tackle them, a third Dublin player, and then it just gets cycled. It was very, very difficult for Westmead. I mean, I I would say that most teams in that situation, maybe you'd be better off, like we pointed a Leash example, where Leash went very direct to the ball winners because they probably looked at and said, listen, there's no point in us trying to run the ball all the way up the field every time. Okay, we're going to have a hell of a battle to try and get the ball up to, say, the middle middle of the field or that, and then we have to try and go direct. And the difficulty Westmead had at times was that they maybe either didn't have a sort of physical focal point in their full forward line when they got to that position, or they just quite simply weren't able to get to get that get that territory and then have the ability to look up and play the ball in. So no, I. Look, personally, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be critical really at all of the Westmead management. I think that the only flaw, the only thing that you could say maybe where they they didn't help themselves was on their own kickouts, where it continued to kind of go, um, you know, to to a sea of bodies. Whereas maybe they could have tried to to create some space where they were able to hit pockets around the middle. Now, I I, I wouldn't have been advocating for them to try and play short kickouts at all because let's face it, they, all they're doing then is getting the ball in their own full back line and having to go to the yeah. left field. They might as well, you know, to a certain extent, try to go more direct, direct with the kickers and then direct to get the ball again. But they possibly could have had a little bit better of space creation for themselves. But having said all of that, you know, you can only play as well as you're let at times. And Dublin are very, very good at closing down the gaps. And even if there is a, a, a pocket of space on the pitch, the Dublin guys are so athletic that they, they'll cover that gap pretty quickly and they're tuned in. So, no, look, I, I can understand totally where you're coming from in terms of it looked like Westmead, you know, were, were being overly conservative at times, but I don't believe that that was the intent. I think that most of these teams, they set up, um, and if they get bodies back, they want to try and counter-attack quickly. But when you're being tackled immediately by Dublin forwards and in the middle third, it's very, very difficult to break ground. And the only option you really have is to say to a few of your forwards, know what don't track back at all we'll defend with eight or ten outfield players and we want to leave you guys up and maybe that's the way they should yeah. have approached you have it pass on, you've obviously a kick pass on then to move the ball up the field rather than just constantly hitting that kind of sea of blue and you could in a small way you could understand those tactics a little bit if there was qualifiers and you say it's very important for our confidence now you know not to get hammered uh, to keep the score down and give us something to build on for the next week or two and not have the players demoralised. I could kind of, I wouldn't be as critical if that was the situation. We're talking about a knockout championship match and you're not even laying a glove on them. You're not even asking them one question. And Dublin, I'd imagine those players are going to the dressing room, God, Jesus, 
that was a lot easier than we thought. You know, that Heslin, I, I was a little yeah, bit, I was no, a little I, bit I, worried I, about Heslin and Martin now. They've caused us problems before. And can Ellen back from Australia? Like, I mean, do you know, what we kind of feared didn't come true, didn't materialise at all. Yeah, well, look, and I think there's there'll always be the argument, like, I'm not saying that that's how I would approach the game if I was involved with a team or how I'd like to play, but I can understand yeah. why they went. The can they went. you can, can you understand I, that I, now? Whereas I saw Peter Canavan doing some analysis from 2016, and I could understand it back then. Again, you, there's a back door; you have a chance. And back oh, then, uh, back Lenny, then, I can I can understand yeah. this when when you just want to keep but the back, score down. Yeah, I can't back, understand that if you want to I'm win the game. Does it even keep the score down anymore? Because back then in 2016, Dublin kicked a little bit away. They didn't push up on the double sweeper. That wasn't the, the the kind of thing to do. The, the, the thing to do was kind of to leave your own sweeper or two back there and make sure you weren't hit on the attack. And the game has evolved to the point now where even dropping players back is a complete waste of time against Dublin. It's not going, it's, you know, you're not even really keeping the score down. Well, the only thing you're doing by dropping bodies back against Dublin is increasing the amount of time that Dublin keep possession before they take yeah. the shot. That's basically that's basically all you're doing, particularly if you're if you're one of the weaker teams, because they just they're not operating at the same level. Like let's you know the, the evidence is there in front of us. They're not they don't get really many turnovers. Um, look, we we've spoken about it a lot. We would always be advocating for maintaining maintaining a threat down the other end of the field at all times you know be that three be that four players and set yourself up if you want to defend with the rest of your team and yeah maybe that means that you can't press the opposition as much as you'd like in the middle third of the field at times but at least you can you can still defend with a number of players and have the option of a counter attack yeah, no exactly uh, exactly but We've probably spoken that. Yeah, no, we no, we probably have. I just looking at it, getting very frustrated. Um, the other big game this weekend was Mayo hammered Roscommon. Really, like I mean, they look very lively, looked really good. James, James Horan talks a lot on the sideline lads. That's one thing the RT, the RT mics and the no background sounds. James Horan never stops shouting. Why? I was he was shouting one stage at Paddy Durkin. And I tell you one thing, Paddy Durkin fairly responded because he scored an absolutely sensational point. All you could hear from Horn, wide, wide, Paddy, give us wit, give us wit. And like, I mean, this is the constant kind of thing. And if you have wit, you're pulling them either side. And we'll talk about the goal in a little while. Durkin ended up, not sure if he went that wide. He actually burst straight up, <laughs> he burst straight up the middle and scored a brilliant point. Incredibly, Desi Dolan said he scored the point from distance when he scored it from the 21 metre line. Like, I mean, Desi had a mare on the COCOM. He said Aidan O'Shea scored off his weaker boot when Aidan O'Shea scored off his oh, left boot. It's like, Christ, he, sometimes you wonder Desi just <laughs> talks for the sake of talking. He actually said Paddy Durkin scored from distance. It was the 21-metre line he kicked from. And like before the game, his analysis were, yeah, well, Roscommon have had a much better league than Mayo. You know, they're coming in with six weight. You know, they haven't conceded a goal in, in six games. And, you know, Mayo are relegated. They were in different divisions, Desi. You can't compare like, like, like Mayo are playing Tyrone and Dublin and Kerry. And, and with all due respect to Leash and Westmead and Fecca and Clare, that's who Roscommon were playing with. Like, I mean, they're, they're not comparable at all, Colin. And you know, I I think Desi actually started well for the first three or four minutes. He was telling us who was picking up who, and then he actually had a little, you know, a little bit of inside knowledge. I've heard from the Ross Common camp that they're going to go long, and I was like, okay, Jesus, Desi's done a bit of, of work in the off season here. But uh, uh quickly, quickly <laughs> went downhill. I think it started with Paddy Durkin's first first score from play, and then you know he, he kept talking about Mayo being very patient as well when they see a blanket. Like 
the best thing about Mayo is that they're yeah. impatient. Like they, they go with teams, but we'll talk about that. But he just just looks at a match and calls it completely. Uh, he's he's, un- he's unbelievable. And I always remember I was driving down to Thurless. I think I was going to a hurling match, and um, Leash were playing Cork in the qualifiers, and Desi was on the Cocon. And I was thinking, geez, Desi's not that bad on the Cocon, but I couldn't see what was happening. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> <laughs> so like if Paddy Durkin scores from distance, I'm believing he's scoring from distance, or if he had no shade, scores off his weaker boot I'm just believing it and he talks very well he's very confident in what he says he, what, what, what trips him up is when the viewers can actually see the match game <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're being very hard on board Andy. very hard I, I'd like to just point out that I'm delighted that Kevin McStay got to see the best point he's ever oh, well, seen have, yeah. and David Clifford take the point from the 21 I mean Jesus Christ, we spoke about this before. I mean, the best thing David Clifford did in the game was the goal attempt which clipped the post. Yeah, yeah. That was the only thing worthy of comment from David Clifford's performance the other night. And it just goes back to this thing of just the reputation of a player dictating the description of, of what happened. Luke, Connolly kicked the best score of the game that free from out of the sideline that brought Cork back into it when they were yeah. two points down. That was the score yeah. of the game. I completely, I completely anyway, know you're... No I, have, no, I have that in my notes. Like, I mean, it's nauseating at this stage that almost a routine. The only thing spectacular about Clifford's score at that time was that how much height he put on it because he was with, with a slight wind, cutting in on his favoured um, left boot. And, like, I mean, are we really, like, really going to tell us that's the best point he ever saw in his whole life? Like, I mean, I'm thinking... the. the that's an absolute bog standard oh, score for any yeah, corner forward yeah. anywhere. And for Cliff, the only thing Keen is unusual how much he skied it. And maybe, you know, when they sky and you're waiting for it to drop and you're wondering where it goes. Maybe, but like, come on, Max stays a bit long in the tooth for that. A point that kind of made me think like that and go, wow, was Conor McManus up in Oma against Tyrone from his wrong side out near 45 metres out. And I, I looked at that going, how in God's name, Conan, was he able to do that? I looked at that Clifford point thinking, like, I would actually fancy myself cutting in on my right to score from Oh, there. yeah. And, and McManus was under serious pressure. That was the other thing. Clifford just cut, came on to his left. The only thing noteworthy about that point, I thought, was that he had missed so many easy chances. And it was like, oh, like you, you're putting that one away, which is obviously a bit more difficult than, than the freeze you've missed. But, yeah, like, it, it definitely wasn't the... Like, he didn't have to dummy anybody. He didn't have anybody hanging off him. It was the right side for his left foot with the wind, as you said. It was strange. Yeah, strange it definitely thumb. was. Last one I'll throw to you, Keen. A fellow on Twitter told me in Dr. Hyde Park that the stadium announcer was announcing all the subs coming on when there was nobody in the ground. I thought it was a good one. Yeah, well, I, I think that's very, very <laughs> impressive to just stick to the task no matter what. Listen, I am the Dr. Hyde announcer. That's my job on Championship Games, and I'm going to do it. Well, in fairness, he's getting into the games. That's how he's getting into watching. So he might as well do that. Yeah, 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 exactly. He might have got the sun in as a helper as well. Like, I mean, he'd really be doing the dog on it. Right, we've, we've done enough there, lads. We'll come back and we'll talk about uh, Cork and Kerry mostly, Mayo Roscommon as well. Come here, I want you to talk us through the goal you scored in the county final after 15 seconds. I want you to tell me when you had goal on your mind. Yeah, you've probably had a few 15 seconds experiences yourself. <laughs> uh... Alright lads, so Cork won 12, Kerry 13 points. We know the score at this stage and we're going to start with Kerry lads and I have to say I owe an apology to Kieran Whelan even Pat Spillan, I didn't believe them. So they were doing some analysis on the Sunday game the last couple of weeks and they were basing the analysis off a couple of league games and a clip here to 
in those league games and they basically analysed that Kerry were coming this year with a new system. And I, I, I just simply couldn't accept, I could not accept that David Clifford would be moving back outside the 45, Tony Brosnan. And, you know, it's the, 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 the analysis to say making the pitch smaller. So I just, I just couldn't understand it. Then the Kerry team is picked and Stephen O'Brien. Stephen O'Brien, arguably the player of the year last year until Merchant did really well on him in the replay. He wasn't great in the first one either. He didn't have two good alarm finals. He's dropped. And he destroyed Cork last year. Remember a spectacular goal he got. He's dropped and a cornerback, wing back is put as a wing forward. So immediately I'm going, what's going on here? And then I'm thinking, did Kerry not learn their lesson from playing uh, uh, a defender as a wing forward in the all final and Jack McCaffrey ran and muck at him? Anyways, it was just dumb immediately. Then the game starts developing Keane and I'm noticing Clifford and Tony Brosnan dropping back inside towards halfway line. And like, I'm thinking, holy Christ. And I, I don't know, I just started getting so annoyed. Is what have Kerry done? Have they ripped up what they're good at in a desperate attempt to copy Dublin? And that's what my theory on this is. They've lost Tony Buckley. Uh, Peter Keane is nowhere near the level of a very, very top manager. And he's looking at that all-around final and he's thinking, is there something we can do a little bit like Dublin? You know the way Dean Rock, Mannion and these lads will drop to the 45 and make the pitch smaller. That suits Dublin's game plan. Why are Kerry trying to copy that when they have arguably, up, well, definitely as talented forwards as Dublin, but probably not as athletic forwards as Dublin that can do that kind of work, um, you know, and don't have as good a running game as Dublin. So we'll never be able to get the ball down through a running game and get the forwards reset it's just a complete and utter mess that Kerry come, instead of building on last year, they've come back and started with something completely different. Yeah, well, it's just, it's very disappointing, more so the, the passive nature of Kerry in the middle third. I don't necessarily have any problem with them with their with their forward line starting their starting the defense essentially from the opposition's 45 meter line most teams are doing that right that's grand but when Kerry went into that position they didn't even engage they didn't use the 45 meter line as a point of engagement they actually dropped it further back it was almost like it was the halfway line or even beyond it where their the wing forwards the midfielders okay yes they covered the entire width of the pitch in that zone but it was probably unnecessary because Cork weren't actually committing bodies to the attack. You know, there was oftentimes Cork were playing very laterally, but they weren't doing what a lot of other teams like the likes of Donegal would do when their cornerbacks basically just sprint to the far end of the pitch up the wing. The Cork lads weren't really doing that. No. They were playing it. To my mind, it, I think Cork were doing perfectly adequately. They were fine. Their defenders are saying, well, I'm here to defend. I'm not running forward. My man has gone off to defend, let him off. I'm going to stay where I am. And if it breaks down, I'm here at least to defend and tackle. And that's what happened most of the time. Even if Kerry got a turnover in the middle third, there was no counterattack because Cork had defenders there and Cork just basically turned Kerry back over again because Kerry didn't have enough bodies up. But then, but then, like but then, every game is, every game is different. How, but like, how can you have no problem with Clifford and Brosnan and these fellas dropping out to the 45, even if they are engaging them? That's fair enough. What if they turn it over? You have the greatest forward in the game at the moment, Clifford. Will, even though the fact that, you know, as we mentioned in part one, it, there, people are way overblown some of the, of the things he does. Why on earth would any tactic revolve around not having him close to goal and Tony Brosnan when you win the ball back? How can anyone justify that? Well, 
the game against Cork, you can't actually justify it. As a general rule, there's no issues with it. You, you understand that, OK, we lose possession. We can't actually turn the ball over, tackling in ones and twos right up in the full forward line. We can only do that if we have pressure there. OK, so we drop we drop back to the 45 and that's where our, our block of pressure starts. But Kerry didn't do that. Kerry didn't actually really engage in yeah, that line. Just, they dropped sorry, it back sorry, further. Sorry to cut you off there. But is Clifford and Brosnan even the two types of players that are going to be hassling Harry and Les out around it or not? It's just it's illogical. Yeah, well, look, that's, a, that's probably... Yeah, look, you can definitely make that argument. But this is the way they have been playing. It was no problem against Donegal because they did engage Donegal. They put massive pressure on them and they broke with ferocity and they did it quickly. It's more to do with the attitude of Kerry players, you know, the other day, rather than the tactical setup for me. Okay, yes, you could definitely make tweaks to the tactics. You could say, you could definitely have the approach of saying, okay, uh, Tony Brosnan, Clifford, to you boys, stay up in the full forward line. I don't even want to see you ever come out of the attacking 45 ever if I see you coming outside the attacking 45 I'm taking you off because that's not what your job is and then it's clearly established and then you, you tell the rest of your team okay lads we're starting to press from the opposition 45 and we're going to aggressively do it I want everybody squeezing up I want to put them under pressure if you know if the line is broken you basically then you drop and you try and get back you definitely try and engage high up the field because you say okay the opposition's defenders are probably generally going to be their weakest ball players uh, on the law of averages. So let's press them. Let's try and get the turnovers high up the field. And then when we do get the turnovers, we have two fresh men inside, lads. As soon as you get that ball, you have two men inside moving, get the ball in there. Now, I think that that's the best approach. I, I would like to see the game being played in that way. Really, the analysis I'm coming out with is that Kerry have been playing this thing of dropping out to the 45. A lot of other teams do. Yeah. But Most that, that, teams the point, that, the point I'm um, making, Keen, is that that's not the Kerry way. Kerry are better than that. Other teams do it because they have to do it. Like, I mean, I remember all you do in a game like that is turn the game into a disorganised hand pass game. And we know Kerry hate those type of games. They lost to Galway in it in the Super 8s a couple of years ago. You drew with Monaghan up there. They lost the league final to Mayo. When the game becomes completely scattered and it's a hand passing game, Kerry don't like that. They like to play through the lines. And it was very interesting to see after that league final with Mayo, there was a huge disconnect between you know their full, their full forward line and everybody else. And then we get down to Killarney and Stephen O'Brien held the half forward line. You had Paul Gini, James O'Donoghue out in front of Clifford and they left four forwards up there and they tore Mayo apart. Now, I don't know, Colin, if you can come to a game the following year against the team that you scored 118 against, playing a half playing a cornerback half forward and dropping all your bodies back into midfield. And I don't know, some Eamon Fitzmaurice, uh, experimented with this for a year or two until he realised this is not Kerry we can't play like this and we don't want to play like this and we're no good at playing like this like the thing about this is Dublin are a freak of a team in that they can take Kerry on in a kicking game if you want and they can beat them or they can take Tyrone on in a hand pass and running game and a defensive game if you want Kerry have not been able to do Kerry can do one but they've never been able to do the other and they handed this kind of tactics and game plan to Cork and, and and it's not even about like Kerry's like specific DNA. It's about this team though as well. Like yeah, they, they have the team to play a, a different way. I, I I get what Keane's saying about the the attitude of the players, but yeah, I, I think I think there was a whole mentality problem with the way they were set up because we're talking about Clifford and Brosnan there, and yes, you're asking them to do something that they they shouldn't be doing and they're not good at doing anyway. But it's it's not like you're just leaving them as two full forwards. They were the two forwards. The rest yeah. of the team weren't yeah. in attack. So. 
what that meant, it not only it gave them less options, obviously, but it meant the ball coming in was terrible. It was it was from far too far out. It was coming from midfield most of the time. It was really high a lot of the time. It, it was disgusting ball, and you could see Clifford was was cracking up at it as well. And you know, afterwards, then I was a, a, a bit concerned for Peter Kane because he was talking, he's bemoaning the the ball retention, and I was like. Like that, that desire to keep the ball or, or the mentality of it, at least, I thought that was their problem rather than giving the ball away. Like they just played 90 minutes against Cork and they've scored 13 times. And I know he missed a few chances, but I thought their whole philosophy was was riddled with fear and like him talking yeah. about ball retention. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, it was definitely, it was fearful football. And the reality is management teams have to be flexible. Why were Kerry, the, the top team in the country, having won Division One going in with such a fearful yeah. tactic against yeah. Cork? I mean, the reality is they got a bit of a bloody nose off from Cork last year when they played them. And they were they were obviously concerned about the running power of Cork from deep. But to me, Kerry should have backed themselves. I think we're all saying that, you know, we, we really don't understand why they wouldn't back themselves with the forward power that they have and leave a few more bodies up the field because Cork actually weren't driving that's, forward. That's a, from that's a good point, like. Keane. Like, because sometimes you make the excuse, "Oh, well, they're being dragged out of shape." They were not. Cork weren't. You're right. They weren't really attacking from the back at all. No, they weren't. Like the the reason that the Cork uh, full back line ended up getting possession was because the Kerry they were free yeah. forwards were gone yeah. out of the way. They were gone and they were left free, and they were actually always taking possession of the ball behind the ball carrier back in their defensive position. And like Kerry might have been, you know, Kerry might have expected a naive team. To, to start running up the field with the ball and then Kerry just run in a few goals on the counter-attack. But fair play to Cork. Cork said, Cork were basically faced with a mass Kerry defence. Cork were the team that had to play patiently outside the screen. And everybody will be saying, oh yeah, it was lateral stuff was left and right. But what could you honestly expect Cork to do in the conditions the way they were? They had to keep the ball. They had to keep uh, bodies behind the ball carrier so that if it did break down, that they had defensive cover. Cork did everything right. Now, now okay, they didn't do everything right because some of their attack yeah, and play was yeah. great and some of poor enough stuff and they kind of ran out of ideas. But to be fair to them, I don't think that they would have faced, even playing in Division 3, I don't think they would have faced such a negative approach from many teams that they played against because Kerry didn't even engage them. Like I'm saying, I have no problem if your tactic is set up the defensive line in the 45. Kerry didn't even engage them there. Kerry were way further back than that. You know, the middle of the field, even sometimes beyond that, trying to engage. And I just really, it's hard to understand how when that was happening and they were watching the game, how Kerry didn't use, I mean, they had two water breaks, they had half time, they had plenty of opportunities to say, you know what, lads, this isn't really working for us now. We're going to have to change something here. Okay, uh, you know, may- maybe mix something up. Like Killian Spillane had a huge impact yeah. when he came into the game. But that's because, as you were saying, he's more suited to do the type of role they were asking than, say, a Tony Brosnan would have been. Because you could see that he has the energy and the power and the pace to get some tackles on. He got a couple of turnovers and then he still had the energy to drive forward and basically do it by himself. There's other players like Tony Brosnan can can do wonderful things, but he needs a platform to be able to play. He needs to be, he needs a supply line. Whereas forward like Spillane can basically get the ball, beat two or three players, um, probably from deep in the field and get a score. So uh, if they were setting up with that approach, which, you know, and we can argue the logic of it, the, the the personnel just weren't able to yeah, deliver. Yeah, Brosnan kind of racing out his man, and that's not his that's not his game at all. Like I mean, they had no kind of ball high up the field where a good pass or two could go in or a diagonal ball. It just didn't happen, and that was because the Kerry forwards Minahan, Buckley, 
Brian O'Bugley and Sean O'Shea were all dropping back too far. Sean O'Shea was completely ineffective in the game. He couldn't really get into it. Big disconnect then up front. No quality ball going in. Like, I mean, it, I don't know. Like In a funny way, Gooch said before the game, and I, 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 thought, I was surprised at this statement, Colin. He says he'd love to be playing out there today in the rain because mistakes happen. And then I was thinking, you know, like, I mean, as a forward, I was thinking I wouldn't really like playing in the rain. And then I started thinking about how Gooch played. And Gooch just kind of lurked around, you know, and balls would come into Donaghy that could skid over his head and now all of a sudden his man slips. And it, it just made me think how Gooch, his mentality going into a game like that, but the Kerry game plan allowing him think like that. Whereas the other day, other than that long ball from Thomas Sullivan, which went over Clifford's head and he could have scored the goal out of, Kerry didn't even get it in anyway. Now, I'm not suggesting that's the right tactics in a, on a wet day, but it was just interesting hearing Gooch saying that. It was like Gooch is actually the person who started making me rethink. You know that idea of a wet day is a defender's day. It's it's actually a wet day is like the best players' day. Like yeah. you know, people with the yeah. best basic skills, they they will thrive on a on a wet day. And I was surprised at halftime. You're making a good point there when he said, "I think there's going to be a goal earlier in the second half." And I was like, well, "What evidence do you have this is yet?" There was there was no like there was no chance of a goal. I was thinking, but he was probably just thinking about that sniffing around and. If you look, Eamon Fitzmaurice had a piece coming out today and, and he said, this is why Kerry people are always wary of Cork. And I'd say them being wary is the only reason they lost. Not for anything specifically that Cork brought. Again, like Keane's right, Cork did everything right. But Kerry just overthought it. Like Peter Keane tried to control too many aspects of that game rather than letting these four forwards go out and play. And by doing so, I just think they dragged themselves into a yeah. trench that they didn't yeah. have to One do. of my better pieces of analysis, I predicted this after 10 minutes yesterday on Twitter, says Kerry's tactics and their team selection has dragged them into a fight that they could, into a 50-50 fight. And that's, what it, that's how it happened. Like, I mean, a lot of this is hindsight analysis. Like, Cork, Cork were good. I think Cork can play much better than that. I thought their forward play was very, very poor. Um, Hurley, you know, battled hard, never got any really decent supply ball. They ran too much. Um, you know, obviously Kerry dropping back players didn't make it that easy. Luke Connolly not starting was a huge mistake. He's like he's got an X factor that none of the other players um seem to have. You know, they packed their they packed their their team full of big men like Ian McGuire, Paul Walsh, Killian O'Hanlon. You know, Colin O'Callaghan started ahead of ahead of Luke Connolly. Like they went for a battling middle third. Uh, team keen to the detriment probably of of their forward line and let's be honest if that goal hadn't gone in at the end I respect Cork for how they battled right throughout the field but you'd probably say Cork could have done more oh listen if Cork hadn't won that game you'd be saying it was a massive opportunity yeah. missed for them because they had enough of the game they had stuck they had completely stifled Kerry for large periods and you would say like this is a massive, massive opportunity to get an under underdog victory, and it took some, you know, it took some really good scores. Uh, O'Hanlon kicked a brilliant long range free yeah. as well as Connolly getting some great scores, and it took that bit of class in the end to get them over the line. But I have to say, like they deserve huge credit, Cork, because even before the game, like it's you know we're talking about all the tactical approach and all these things, and uh, you know what's that great phrase? You, you know everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. But like even before the game, Ian McGuire was jostling yeah. into uh, the morn and all these types of things. Now they're meaningless in and of themselves, but it does show something that do you know what we're not going to be pushed around here. You boys are in a battle today, and we're going to bring it to you from start to finish. And that's what Cork did all over the field. They were really, really tenacious in particular in their defence, getting turnovers. And you could just see it, like sometimes they'd, like, 
lads diving on these balls. And then they'd, they'd get up and they'd win the free and you could just see them. They were like hurlers. They were celebrating winning frees in their own corner back position. But that was the sort of fire that Cork had for, for the fight. And with the exception of a few players for Kerry, like you could see Paul Murphy. I mean, they, they made reference to it on the TV coverage that he was going bananas with them at the water breaks. And, you know, he looked really animated in the team huddles. And you could see him in a face like thunder after the game because I'd say he's the type of player that in those types of battles, he's generally pretty pretty good he's on it his focus is there and he's he's hungry and aggressive and i'd say he was probably looking around him going lads where the fuck is the is the fight yeah. here like he did a great job he did a great job he did a great job on rory dean who you know would have been earmarked because caught them so much damage um last year i, I, I don't know conan I, i'm just looking at cork like two points from play from the forwards four points from play in total two of the defenders got that again yeah yeah you see the last thing you want to do be here is in any way critical of Cork for beating Kerry, but at the same time, you 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 don't want to overplay. I think Cork are be- can play an awful lot better than that, and I think you give them huge credit for the way they battled, the way they they fought for every ball. But I think they can play better football than that, and they actually even showed that last year that they can play better football than that. Well, they can, but like last year they lost, I suppose, and I, I think this this year just probably went perfectly for them like obviously Kerry walked right into it wasn't a trap but Kerry, Kerry gave them gave them every opportunity to, to win this game and I think this would have played out exactly how how they would have wanted it to play yeah. out and I think with the team selection like you're right like I thought Luke Conley not playing was bizarre especially like Keane Mason the free at the start like the the free hit over towards the end and the sideline a couple of lovely ones one from the 45 as well it's like even for that, like, why is he not on? He sliced one with the outside of his boot as well around the 45. But it seemed to me that Cork just wanted to wanted to slow this game down in a way that they were going to be able to battle around the middle third and then have some finishers, I suppose. Like, the, the bench, when they're bringing on Keane Conley, they're bringing on Michael Hurdy and Kerrigan. It was like, right, now we can try and sort of nick ahead. It seemed to me that that was yeah, the plan, yeah. anyway. And, and that didn't work. Yeah, but I, I think I think Cork were still trying to be aggressive when they cut up the field. They didn't get a lot of territory because Kerry basically had all their men behind yeah. the ball. Given the weather conditions and everything, it, it was foolish to take the ball into contact. And, and most times when guys did take it to contact, they lost the ball. So Cork were left in a position of, okay, we're trying to figure this out here. There's a lot of bodies from Kerry behind the ball. What are we supposed to do? Like, I don't expect Cork are not going to be faced with that every single... Well, they might be faced against Tipperary with something similar, but probably less so. And going forward for them, that's not how Cork want to play. Cork, you could see them even up in the full forward line. They were trying to tackle up there. They weren't running. They weren't retreating back and running away from their men. They were going. They were trying to get pressure on the ball in every area of the field. And then in the middle sector and in their own defence, they're just hunting them back very hungry and aggressive. If Kerry, if you flipped it on its head and the Kerry players had the same attitude in terms of going after the game that, that Cork did in terms of out of possession then you know you were looking you would have looked you would have seen a much more open contest and then maybe the likes of Rory Dean would have found those gaps or Matthew Taylor coming forward they would have had more space to play in but the reality is Kerry condensed so much that Cork were left with very few options yeah. and yeah. and I do I totally agree with you Willie. any team would be capable of playing more expansive brand of football than what Cork were trying to play but only if the opposition yeah. allows no, you. No, I'm being a bit that. harsh. I'm, probably, I'm being a bit harsh on Cork, and I have to say, I love their kickout strategy. They went 22 of 23 kickouts long. Like, I mean, I, and I do think Keenan O'Neill deserves a lot of credit for this because I do think he's one of the manager managers. I know he's in the backroom team that think about the game. So, what do you not want to do against Kerry? They've got the most aggressive press, the same, you know, as aggressive a press as Dublin. 
what do you not want to do? You don't want to start going short on a wet day. You want to drive it out long. And look how many big men we have out around there. I think long uh, kickouts are coming back into the game, Conan. I think teams are realising we're not all Stephen Cluxton. Not only are we not all Stephen Cluxton, we don't have the running power Dublin have to consistently build from cornerback. We don't have that. What do we have? Do we have three or four big men that are good fetchers? Would we like to win the ball further up the field? Yes. And I think Cork actually were asked themselves that question before the game and they answered in that in that manner. Yeah, like we we've we've got enough good players around the middle to win the ball. Like enough big men and if if the big men aren't winning it, like we, we know where the ball's going as well. It's like even if you're kicking it out out to the middle, you're still in control of where it's going. You still have a half a second on your man because you know the call. So like there there is like I know the breaks are going to happen and they're going they're going to go in different directions and that but you still should have the percentages on your side for breaks and then of course what happens when you win the ball in the middle of the pitch you're you're in the middle of the pitch and the team of six defenders maybe only four or five sometimes if it's carry that's your that's your chance to get at them and yeah like I, I think it's a it's a welcome addition and teams should be doing yeah no definitely we'll have to move off that one lads because we'll be we'll be here all day. Um, you could actually spend another hour talking about that game. So much happened in it, even though, like we say, it was one of the worst games I've ever watched. Like, I mean, it's incredible like what a finish can do to, you know, the way you remember a game. But anyway, there's a lot of talking points in it. I mean, the other game, big game of the weekend was Mayo um, hammered Roscommon. Beat it, well, maybe not hammered, but a very, very, very comfortable um, victory over them. Uh, very disappointing performance from Roscommon, but very good performance from Mayo. And I think James Horan summed it up um, at the end. We know he's a good analyst. He said, overall, what you're looking for in championship football, I thought our energy and work rate were very strong and I would be very happy with that. And I'm just thinking energy, work rate. And energy and work rate, not just to defending, but energy and work rate to attacking. And energy and work rate are always used about getting the ball back. Mayo bring energy and work rate and runs and selfless runs and support runs. And they, they, they vary their attack key. And one could go into Aidan O'Shea, who didn't have his best game as a target man. It wasn't sticking. Maluli was up beside him. One game ball could be kicked in. The next one will be ran with an overlap. The next one, Paddy Durkin will burst down the middle. The next one could go to Keane O'Connor, who could get in and, and he could stick a crossfield ball. You know what I mean? Across the Tommy Conroy. They, they just have a variety. They're playing. They look like they're out enjoying it and they look like they're not afraid to make a mistake. Oh yeah, they're definitely, they're playing with a bit of freedom and that, that comes entirely from Horan's kind of yeah, coaching yeah. and management philosophy where he kind of empowers his players to basically just go out and express themselves and play with freedom and play without fear. And that's why his teams have always, you know, been very, very close at the top end of the championship and they've always been very exciting to watch because they go for it. And like we, you mentioned at the start there or he mentioned in his interview, you know, energy and work rate. The thing that, one thing that I always look at when I'm watching when I'm watching a game is when they kick out, when when the ball is kicked out, or you know a restart. Be, sorry, <laughs> when there's a restart, when when it goes long and when the ball is in the air, what team are moving with intent to where that ball is dropping? And it was so obvious. Roscommon were going long to their midfield, and that that was it. Seemed to be an obvious tactic. It, it happened too often for oh, it not was, to be an yeah. obvious tactic. But when the and I don't blame them for that because on paper they should have been stronger than Mayo in that zone, and for large parts of the game they looked that way. But when the ball was in the air, when when the camera position, you know, showed showed the midfield where the ball was going to drop, it was Mayo bodies with energy flooding into that zone. Their entire half forward line pairing into it. Their other midfielder getting across. Their half backs coming up, and no Ross Common men beside them. So it was all Mayo flooding the zone where the ball was going to drop. 
So inevitably over the... That's just one small thing in a game. But like, it, it tells you an awful lot about the team that the players are alert, they're up for it, they want to get on the ball. That's the sort of, even just in, in one instance, you can see the energy in the team. And that, to me, summed up the game because Roscommon were totally flat. Even when they were back in their defensive block, they didn't actually move across well. I mean, the, the O'Connor goal was... was when you see it from behind the goals, it was just so poor defensively yeah. because there was no reason why Roscommon should have been conceded the goal like that. All their players could have shifted their across. They had enough bodies back to put that across, put that goal out, and they just didn't. They either didn't move early enough, or they didn't move with enough pace when they wait, did wait, get going. Yeah. So that's the sort of energy and intent that you need. And in knockout football, if you don't have that, you have no, no. chance, no matter who. There, you there, there's a lot in that, um, Conan. Like I mean. I do take the point that Mayo definitely figured out the kickouts after, you know, losing a few early ones. They started realising that Roscommon were going long. I think they might have been surprised uh, uh, with it at the start. But I do take the point on the on the on the goal, the Dermot O'Connor goal. Number one, he, he went for a goal instead of hand passing it. Um and number two, what who made that goal was Owen McLaughlin actually making an incisive run and drawing Niall Daly out to him, who was the covering player. And if he hadn't kind of sidestepped inside you know, there, Niall, McGla- or Niall Daly would never have come out to meet him and he would have been able to stop Dermot O'Connor. And, and that's it. Like I mentioned the, the word impatient there. Like that, that's the, the, the relentless, the way, the way they run. And, and they expose teams as well because it's all well and good having a load of bodies back. But I've uh, <laughs> mentioned this over the years. Like there's always going to be a few of those bodies that aren't either tuned in, they're tired, or they're just not good defenders. Like you saw... Like Paddy Durkin's run in the second half, that one you mentioned when he went through the middle, and the, it's hilarious the way he cut to the side, and then he decided to go straight again. And I think he did that because it was Enda Smith now who was the last man, and he thought, "Oh yeah, I can, I can take it past him." And and Mayo just seemed to to go at teams almost like a bull, just looking for the weak point of a of fence. And like you're right, like I thought that was the most impressive thing, the way they they were able to shift the kicker thing because initially it was. It was hilarious, like, you know, Lavin just going long the way Mayo were trying to press them and they all had their calls and they were trying to put him off and he just kept kept putting it out in the middle and Ross Common kept winning it. But Great to see Mayo... that, wasn't it, though? Like, I mean, how many times do you see that press and the keeper running up and moving one side and looking the other side and, and, and panic setting <laughs> yeah. in all over the place? It's like, what? Lavin's just like, here, relax, lads. I'm going along with this. And, that, and there was no <laughs> yeah. panic. Like, the, the one thing you would criticise is obviously the way Ross Common set up is that when Compton, he caught the first one brilliantly, turned around and there was nothing on. There was too much of a gap between where he caught it and the full forward line. He had to stop. Like the only time in the first half I saw Roscommon able to go through their half forward line was McKeown gave a lovely diagonal ball into Connor Cox and he got a mark, a great mark off that. And it's just like the importance, Keen. I keep ramming at home and maybe I sound like a broken record. The importance of having ball go through your half forward line like what's the point in having good full forwards if you can't get that ball yeah well look you do need to have some level of territory and territory, just yeah. be able to give a soft a, a softer pass in is really what we're talking yeah. about or, or have a, a little bit of an angle on it like when the ball is coming from so far away defenders can probably play from in front without any real any major risk of being caught with a ball over the top um Particularly now, it's been played in the bloody winter months. The ball isn't even able to travel as far as well with you know colder time of the year. So it can just be a little bit predictable. Whereas if you can get somebody on your half forward line as as a bit of an outlet, and then they're able to pop the little balls yeah. inside, it allows for cleverer movement and more incisive play. And yeah, look, I mean, Jesus, like uh, it's it's 
it's just it's disappointing at times when you just see everybody withdrawn. Like, I mean, Jesus, at least try and keep it a couple of guys up and set yourself up then. Like, set your team up that, God, we know we're leaving a few boys up and they have their job within the team and the rest of us have a, have a different job. You yeah. know, it, it's rather than everybody trying to copy what everybody else is doing, which is basically what's yeah. happening at the minute. Almost every team trying to play the same way. And as you say, not with the same exactly. tools. It's ri- and it's risk-reward. What am I willing to give up back here to make sure that when we have our attack, that our attackers are in place and we have some attacking game plan. All game plans are being built around defensive side of it and the actual attacking side of it is not being scrutinised. And I don't think it's being scrutinised by county boards because they're not good enough at being able to scrutinise it. And if you want to say, what's your philosophy on the game? Well, I get 13 men behind the ball, but what are we going to do about our half-forwards? We've got good half-forwards. Like, we don't, I don't necessarily want to see them you know, back defending, are you going to drop them to play this level of football? I think we have better players than that. And that's how I would be interviewing managers who are only interested in doing this kind of thing. To be fair to to Anthony Cunningham, getting the, the 12 behind the ball and leaving two up has served them fairly well for the reason that Roscommon were seen as a, as a soft touch and they weren't, uh, you know, combative enough. They were maybe that little bit too open. So I completely understood, Conan, I suppose, where he started with them. And what he did with them, and it definitely worked. They got in lads' faces, a bit like Galloway under Kevin Walsh. They got really hard to beat. They got, uh, you know, a little bit cynical, a little bit of trash talking. They basically weren't going to be pushed around for everyone, for anyone. Now, I want to see in year two or three them, you know, evolving from that. Yeah, exactly. And like, look, teams are obviously they're going to bring different different tactics to the board, and and that does serve a purpose, but. Yeah, what we've seen over the last two years, at least maybe three, is that the the attacking teams are they're they're sniffing this specifically out as well. But it's also the teams with an attacking strategy that are that are most successful. And I wonder just because it's knockout, did that spook some teams thinking like we need to we need to close up shop here and, and not do anything stupid? Whereas because it's knockout, that's almost a bigger incentive to to go at it. And you're yeah. like like the Kerry Cork example is a perfect example. If you if you don't go at it. And you, you lose, you're out. Like, you know, Kerry will just be reeling for the rest of the the rest of this calendar year, just thinking, for God's sake, we, we really blew that and we didn't we didn't give it a shot. And the the thing about Ross Common, the only thing I would say is like, yes, like that shape served him a purpose, but it's almost a bit too basic now to just throw men behind the ball. Like, do you remember uh Paddy Durkin playing against Dublin? You know, and his his role was to to man mark Jack McCaffrey. I'm thinking about Enda Smith now following Paddy Durkin. Which is really weird when you're throwing men behind the ball, but but Paddy Durkin was still attacking, like he was still going at it, and then he was turning around and thinking, right, where is McCaffrey? McCaffrey, meanwhile, wasn't marking Paddy yeah. Durkin, and it, these teams are bringing their own sort of strategy to suit themselves to the board. And I just think the days of of throwing twelve behind the ball is going to get it's going to get snuffed out by good. Yeah, coaches. I think you're completely right. Um, just one final point on this, lads, is Oshin Mullen. Oshin Mullen will be centre-back on the Mayo team, maybe not this year, but next year. He's going to be Carl Lacey bombing forward. He's going to be an absolute sensation, probably a little bit too loose for cornerback. But imagine the speed of that fella breaking forward from centre-back, Keen. Or from centre-back, yeah, what look, did I say, centre-forward? Yeah, from yeah from, from centre-back. Yeah, I know from the half-back line, he certainly has uh, certainly catches the eye when he's on the move forward. He has electric pace uh, tearing up the field. And... Um, yeah, unless he uh, unless he sharpens up a little bit in his defensive duties, he, he might always be one of these uh, 
cornerbacks who bombs up the field and looks 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 pretty good, but concedes three or four points of play every game. So, um, yeah, look, but again, it's his first season. I mean, look, he's, he's started really, really well and catches the eye in most games in terms of his contribution to the overall effort. Yeah, of the team. no, I completely agree. He's a bit lackadaisical on his defending, but maybe that's because he's he, usually the forwards he's marking are so bollocks from following him around that they, they're probably not really great at shooting. Uh, right, we'll come back with performance the weekend, lads. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glenroy on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay it was great advice yeah it was <laughs> for you Okay, performance of the weekend. Uh, first one up is Connor Sweeney, lads, and he scored seven in total. We have to talk about this sideline um, ball. Like the great thing about this sideline ball is that it almost hit the top of the post, uh, Connor, and it, can't, it bounced back off it. This had loads to spare, and well, it wasn't a sideline ball; it was a free on the side. It was as good as a sideline ball. But like, I mean, I, I was making the point afterwards. Connor's kind of when you think of Tipperary, you think of Quinn Levin, and rightly so, he's an all star. But Connor Sweeney's been scoring heavily for them since about 2010. I don't think he has the reputation that he deserves for being a phenomenal uh, corner forward and a very, very hard man to handle considering he's six foot five. <laughs> His score was even better than David Clifford's as well. <laughs> that's, that's how good it was. I can't. I can't believe the day after he's done that that we're talking about David Clifford scoring the best score I've ever seen. But but anyway, like I remember, he, he ripped Derry apart in 2017 on their way to the All Ireland semi final. I think that got them into the quarters, and that that's when I first and maybe a lot of the country then started taking notice because he had such a good game against Galway in the quarters that year. And like he, he's a bit of a yeah, it's almost like Paul Ganey, like where he, he can do everything. He's tall. He can catch the ball. He's, he's speedy. He gets out in front. He's very clever. He can go off both feet, and that that kick was just judged to perfection. Like you know, just the way he got it so high off the post, didn't really want to chance a curve on it, so he just sort of went straight for the back post. Um, I think he's class, and I think it's only been the last few years that he's probably getting the credit he deserves. But as you say, he's been doing it for, for yeah, time. he definitely has. I think accuracy is probably his his strongest point. That left foot is a, an absolute one. Number two is Jordy Morris. I'm glad we talked to him up here uh, last week. He in three four are the positives on his debut. Uh, if I want to throw a slight negative one on a two of them were penalties and one was a tap-in because of a mistake from the goalie. Yeah, I know. Sure they don't count that one. Sure they don't. <laughs> uh, no, look, it's a, it's a sensational debut for him and for a guy who hasn't, who's had very little exposure to Winter County, look, it, uh, he, he looked sharp enough um, against Dublin in the league and in fairness followed that up off the bench against Monaghan pretty sharp and look no matter what way you dress it up 3-4 is a is a fairly significant contribution to the team effort and um, look yeah it's been a very good start to his intercounty career and it'll just be very very interesting to see now when he's up against Kildare next weekend how he fares will he be will he be one of the marked men and how does he deal with that so that's the next kind of challenge for him because look he's shown he has an eye for goal and from then it's it's how you know will he be able to do it on a consistent basis now <laughs> nobody's expecting him to score three four on a consistent basis but certainly to be that threat that um that Mead want on the inside line that lively presence and um 
get look three four is sensational on your channel maybe you're yeah no it definitely was talked about lively presences on full forward lines Derek Kerwin he's a real find for Kildare um this year a target man um like I mean and you see from the clips of the Cavan match and the other game was it Westmead game we saw little bits and pieces um of he's constantly showing for the ball and he seems to be a man that's always out front I love a full forward like that. I love a man that's going to be out in front and you can play off him. And the most basic game plan can be made around someone who's always showing out in front and let's work the ball to get it towards there and let now let's see runners coming off him. Problem with Derek Irwin being an excellent, um, an excellent target man and he scored six points, including one mark, is that Daniel Flynn is an excellent target man. And I'm, I played target man full forward. I don't want another target man in beside me because <laughs> you're only confusing me in here. Either I'm out first or else forget about it because the target men want to be target men and that's it. You can't have two target men. And I don't know, Daniel Flynn was taken off. Um, I think Daniel Flynn is an outstanding target man as well. I'd like to see Daniel Flynn potentially at centre half forward and timing his runs of Derek Herwin winning the ball. Wouldn't that be a, a, a scary prospect for me next week, Conan? Um, but I'm sure we'll have time to talk about this. Derek, I'll go back to Derek Herwin. But what, what about the, the days of the Twin Towers? Are, 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 is that gone? Can we not go back to that with Walsh and Donny? Ah, but they're part? different types of target men. These, I, I think Derek Herwin's an out-in-front target man, like Daniel Flynn, if you know what I mean, like more of a you know movement and speed rather than long balls. Yeah, no, like I, I just, um, I, I just have a real, uh, I don't, I don't know what a, a fetish for like just two brilliant ball winners up top. I always thought like the two Kingston should have been playing up top with Leeds, but I know they, they worked it well. Maybe that's where you're getting it from with one of them coming out to the forty-five. But I remember when Muldoon and Bradley were up top for Derry. Everybody else just get out of the way. We'll play it into the two boys. Like you know, it's almost easier to play a. About blanket defense, if you just want to hit those two target men, then and they can they can work with each other. I, I'd like to see a try with the two of them inside before uh, before I give up. Well, on Bradley now and Muldoon are two completely different types of players, so you've you've got a lovely little balance with the two of them. I think Kerwin and uh, Daniel Flynn will end up fighting for the same ball. Now, listen, we'll obviously have to wait and see. I don't think that's even on. I don't think that's even on television. Tell the truth, you're worried about Flynn at eleven and Derek Kerwin at fourteen, Keith. Not at all. I just thought it was a good opportunity for me to talk now about Graham Gardy and Ali Murphy. The, <laughs> the, best ultimate, the best, the ultimate double act. Yeah. Ah, look. Well, at, now like, I would say, I would is, say, Canavan and Muggsy was fairly good, or Stephen O'Neill too. Nah, I wouldn't wait. Not in the not in the same league. Not in the same league. Um, no, look at it, it's a it's an exciting prospect for the Kildare Mead game. You know, it should be two evenly balanced teams. Kildare have good forwards, um, that are going to ask questions of Mead as well. So. I mean, yeah, it's, it's an interesting conundrum for Kaleer because, in fairness to Perwin, very, very impressive on his debut um, in the championship and very, very lively and has a good size as well, yeah. Woody. So you can understand where Conan is looking at that, saying, geez, maybe you could have Flynn and Kerwin inside and maybe Neil no, Flynn see, coming yeah, off, the, did, off the see, shoulder. Little Jimmy Highland, I've all this figured out. Little Jimmy Highland's going to go in there with Derek Kerwin. Now, like, that's your little and large. That's your Garrity and uh, that's your Ollie Murphy. Or that's your Muldoon. That's yeah, your yeah, I, I have you there. Go that is that. good. But what I'm saying is there's no place for Daniel Flynn in there. He mixes up the dynamic in there. Put him out in the half forward and let him run off Derek Herman. Anyways, listen, I'm using up all the material for, for Thursday's show. Big shout out to Neil Flynn, whose father uh, died on Saturday and he's still tugged out. I, I just, I think as Ossie McConville did that as well um, before. I just, geez, I don't know how lads do that. Like, I mean, the character that the show to be able to do that. I know everybody says it's what, you know, your father would have wanted, but it's still fucking hard to, you know, can only imagine being able to do it and pretty much winning the game 
for me because Offaly had got it back, or for Kildare, because Offaly had got it back to a point and the momentum was with them until Flynn kind of took the game by the scruff of the neck. So a huge shout out um, to Neil Flynn. Um, another one, lads, is Niall Corbett. Um, leash goalkeeper we're blessed with good goalkeepers down through the years I have to say from you know time I was playing Fergal Byron and you have uh, Niall Corbett and you have uh, Graham Brodie and you know these kind of exciting goalkeepers Niall Corbett made two really important saves at the start of the second half one I wouldn't even call a save I call it a diving block it was uh, very impressive he just dived down on his foot like you might do out the field um, rather than goalkeeper Niall Corbett's an interesting one in that he plays wing forward for Clonus Lee and he takes all the frees. He's got a sensational free taker. He used to play with UCD in Waterford in the League of Ireland. So he's a very, very uh, talented all-rounder and played in goals with at League of Ireland level, but always or played out the field for his club. So, like, I mean, it's interesting. That was his championship debut. So a lot of a lot of uh, people wouldn't have seen too much of Niall Corbett. Loves to go out the field like Graham Brodie and, and take it on like that because he plays outfield. Again, um, very impressive stuff from him, Keen. I don't know. You probably wouldn't have known much about him before yesterday. No, knew nothing about him. And in fairness, he he made a significant contribution to the win. Even the 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 most impressive thing. He's a goalkeeper. He's in there to make saves. So I'm not too bothered with that. But when he came up the field, he actually played a lovely pass in, which was a oh, mark for Munley. Yeah, Ross Munley took as a mark and clipped the score. So that I mean, to be able to come out of goals and make that sort of a contribution in a game is is huge. On top of doing the sort of the basic of making this, look, there were two very important saves in the context of the game as well. So yeah, look, massive contribution for him and his debut. Yeah, exactly. And he showed a lot of character. There were six down in the first half. There were five down in the second half. Um, and they pulled another one out of the fire. This is a great, like, ever obviously Leash. No one in Leash thinks that we're world beaters or that we're as good as Dublin, Kildare, or Mead because we're not. We're probably in the next group with Westmead. But at the same time, showing a lot of character to come back in games. And all I would hope next week is that we go out and we will be hammered by Dublin. There's no doubt about that. But we score a couple of goals and give Dublin a few uh, problems. That's all you can ask for. And I think we will because that's my Quirk's philosophy on Gaelic football. It might not be Jack Cooney's, but more Mike Quirk's in the game, please, and less Jack Cooney's. That's probably uh, what I'd say. Caelan Mooney is back to his best uh, form. We had a 50-metre solo run for the goal, scored two points as well. We know he, he had his issues um, last year. And I suppose Down had to be impressive because like, they literally haven't had a game since last March with the first team. They had a walk over Conan and then they sent half a team. And it, when you think about it, why did they send half a team to Loud instead of playing their first team and actually giving them a game? <laughs> I never actually thought about that. That's... Uh... It's such a good point because they had two weeks as well before their first yeah. championship match, so it would have been perfect. It wasn't like a six-day turnaround. I, I, I don't know why they did that, but it's um a very tough position for the first-team players to be in. Um, And, like, yeah, co- like coming in against Romana as well, who who notoriously makes things difficult for teams in, in Ulster quarterfinals. So, um, big win for them. And, like, yeah, I think they're obviously only going to get better from that point, but... Yeah, they're lucky that they got over yeah. it considering the, the preparation. Because Paddy Talley was saying after the game, we hadn't played a game in a long time. We weren't entirely sure where we were. So it took a bit of time to get the confidence up. Yeah, Paddy, you could have fixed that by going to Loud as your full team. Fermanagh were missing nine from last year, uh, Keen, A nightmare season for Fermanagh, you'd have to say. And one thing, I have to, a huge amount of respect for Ryan McManaman. No excuses, no complaining, no giving out. He manages the same way as he played. Go for it. And don't, you know, don't start whinging. 
Yeah, look, it's been exceptionally difficult. Like his his first season managing them, and you have all that disruption with with COVID, and then of course the you know just in general to the season, and then of course how it affected their playing squad. So, yeah, very difficult for them, and to be shorn of so many you know for a small county like Fermanagh to be shorn of so many kind of players from your panel year on year is very very difficult. Um, but yeah, look, I mean. What else would you expect other than try and get on with it and play with play with what you have and give it your best effort and fair play to them for doing that and um not taking the outs that maybe other teams have had to take for whatever yeah, reason. No, exactly. That's it. The um other nominations that, that we've mentioned obviously is yeah, Gerald McKiernan looked like he was brilliant again for Kevin. He keeps doing it bursting down the middle. If you don't have a centre back waiting to meet him with a shoulder and rattle him up and soften him up early, then you're in for a tough uh you're in for a tough uh, evening against Gerald McKernan. There's no doubt about that. Kieran Kilkenny, we mentioned him. Oh, McLaughlin, outstanding. Great new addition. Paddy Durkin, always brilliant. Absolutely outstanding. Killian Spillane, four from playing a game like that, coming off the bench. That's arguably, you know, the most impressive thing from the weekend. Sean Potter, Killian O'Hanlon, Sean Meehan. You know, you could name loads of Cork players who battled really well. Uh, Luke Connolly, um, who was excellent, um, when he came on as well. I think the performance the weekend would give to Neil Flynn, lads, to come on, score three points. I think one was out from the sideline and the next one was from playing another free to to help your county win by four in the end after only being uh, one ahead, especially after his father died. I think he deserves huge credit and he'll be definitely pushing for a place uh, probably between himself and Jimmy Highland, lads, to partner my man Derek Herwin with Daniel Flynn nowhere to be nowhere to be seen in that full forward line. So we get back. Shining <laughs> right, so that's it, Neil Flynn. Congratulations. Uh, very worthy performance of the weekend. Um, that's it, lads. We'll be back. I don't know how I'm going to preview next week's uh, games. You know, like, I mean, there's so much going on, but sure, we'll give it a whack on Thursday and we'll talk to everybody then. Good luck. Yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years.